so I didn't know that it was shame. I just, I knew that it was an exploration of maybe there's something wrong with me. And if I could just figure everything out, I'll figure out what it is and then I'll be right. What happens when shame stops us in our tracks? When we find ourselves in freeze mode and realize it's actually shame that's holding us there? How do we break the spell and move through that paralysis? And what if there's a way to release that shame back to wherever it came from? This is Shame Piñata. I'm Colleen Thomas. Welcome to Shame Piñata, where we talk about creating rites of passage for real-life transitions. Today, we're going to talk about the S-word, as our guest calls it. We're going to look at shame. We're going to consider shame. And we're maybe going to consider what it might look like to embrace shame. But before we meet our guest, I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you the story of how a podcast about the healing power of ritual came to be called Shame Piñata. Several years ago, I was facing a big transition and dragging my feet about it. I had been in a job for 14 years, and the universe was telling me it was time to switch things up, but I didn't want to go. Over time, I got kind of mired down in feeling ashamed that I wasn't brave enough to make that change. And honestly, kind of not able to make that change because I was kind of trying to find a new job, but it wasn't working. I began to feel worse and worse over time until I reached a pretty dark place. But then I reached out for help. I started gathering resources and surrounding myself with people who could help me heal. And I was introduced to the concept of shame exposure, which basically means telling other people, safe people, about the shame I was feeling. I knew right away when I learned about shame exposure that I needed to do it, and it needed to be a ceremony. So I started planning, brainstorming, heartstorming, journaling, talking with a close friend, feeling into exactly what needed to move and how I wanted to invite my community to be there with me while it moved. So this is what happened. In preparation for the ceremony, I gathered up all of the swag t-shirts I had gotten at my former job, and I journaled out my shame on each one of them with a ballpoint pen. I wrote one shame topic on each shirt, long form, journal style, confessing how awful that one part of the story was for me and how horrible I felt about it inside. I did that until it was all out on the shirts, out of my body and onto the fabric. That was extremely important. And then I made a list of all the negative self-talk pinging around inside my head, and I pasted those words all over a cute little piñata. Sorry, piñata, and thank you for holding it. When my friends and I gathered, just a small group, just my inner circle, my safest place to share such hard feelings, I took each shirt out and I read out loud what I had written on it. And then one by one, I put the shirts on. 
Each time I put on a shirt, I felt worse. I think I had six or seven shirts total and at least one sweatshirt, so it was a lot (laughs) by the time I had read everything out loud and put everything on, by the time I had symbolically donned all of that shame. My friends were compassionate. My friends stayed with me and witnessed my shame. Then I moved across the room and I faced that shame piñata, almost mocking me with those harsh judgments pasted on every side, and I picked up the stick. But I didn't want to hit the piñata. I wanted to fall through the floor and let the earth swallow me up. I had no will or desire to fight back to reclaim anything. I just wanted to give in. So I waited. And we waited. And after quite some time, I began to hear a small voice inside me say, No. It was so quiet but it began to grow louder. No. And it grew and it grew until it filled me and flowed into my arms and pretty soon that piñata was no more. I took a pair of scissors and cut a small notch into the top of each shirt so I could easily rip it off until the floor was covered in piñata, candy, and fabric covered in my words. And we danced and we celebrated. And then I went out on the porch and I poured a huge bowl of marigold water over myself to release that old energy. And after drying off, we sat down together and we had an amazing brainstorm session of what kind of work did I really want to do in the world? What was my mission? What did I have to offer? And this is going to sound cliche, but I got not one but two job offers in the coming weeks which helped me actually skate out of that old situation and into my next chapter. And what was different between before and after the ritual? I was. I was finally ready to move on. And it was on a lunchtime walk with a colleague at that new job that the title Shame Piñata came into consideration for this new project, a show about the transformative power of ritual and how inviting the important people in our lives to witness our transformations can be extremely profound. And I'd like to take a moment now to thank you for witnessing this story and spending a few minutes considering how embracing shame might help us heal. We're going to continue considering shame now, but switch gears a bit and hear from a different voice. We're going to meet Sheila Rubin, who has been teaching about shame for 30 years. Sheila is a marriage and family therapist and a drama therapist, and she co-directs the Center for Healing Shame with her husband, Brett Lyon. They have a new book coming out on October 17th called Embracing Shame, How to Stop Resisting Shame and Turn It into a Powerful Ally. Sheila and I spoke recently about the many aspects of her work. Our conversation began with her early experiences of shame and then moved into a discussion of the book. Here is my first question. Sheila, how did you come to work with shame? It's my favorite question. (laughs) (laughs) I was a curious child and I was a very shy child and I decided that it was my job, not just to save my family, but it was my job to kind of like secretly keep a journal of all of the times when somebody was 
you know, kind of had their esteem up and their eyes down. And I was just noticing all the variations of, you know, shyness and discomfort and, you know, what it was like to be a shy child. And I started keeping track of that when I was probably five years old. So I didn't know that it was shame. Hmm. I just, I knew that it was an exploration of maybe there's something wrong with me. And if I could just figure everything out, I'll figure out what it is. And then I'll be right. In the meantime, I thought, well, somebody must be interested in this. (laughs) And probably I'll keep these notes and maybe someday when I grow up, I'll write a book about it because this is not anything that anybody talked about. So that is how I started getting interested in shame. Wow, that's fascinating that you you knew at a very young age that you want to try to book about this thing. And now you're publishing that book. That's amazing. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> How does your inner child feel now that you are about to publish the book? She is so blown away. <laughs> because I have an inner child who's five, who's been stomping her feet for a couple years. And going, What's it happening? I did a couple um, performances like um, about my mother and my family and, you know, what it was like to survive kind of like an interesting family situation. And that was helpful for a while. But, you know, she's been stomping her feet. She started stomping her feet. It's the inner teenager that started stopping her feet about two or three years ago and she's like they're both so excited because they're like the book is not just for therapists it's for everybody and it's for people to kind of read and kind of understand that shame can actually be a friend and shame can actually navigate things and shame can actually be helpful and um, shame can actually be something that a person might want to embrace and it's kind of amazing to say this because my inner child was like, you know, you don't say the S word. It's going to embarrass people. <laughs> Just like I notice all these other words to say, but not that one. But now I'm an adult and I can say the big S word, which is shame. Yeah. Because you say shame, people go into shame. Mm. Yeah, that's that's good. Wow, I hadn't I hadn't realized that, but you're totally right. It is it is that powerful that we hear it and instantly. Yeah. It's really, I'm putting my hand in my heart and I'm like it's really touches me that you have this shame podcast and your shame pinata and it's like you figured out ways of working with your shame and so it's like my inner child. I mean, I'm a a trauma therapist and I'm a regular therapist and my inner child navigates a lot of the time and she lets me know it's safe or if I need to come back another time or, you know, it's like, when can I bring up this question? (laughs) When can I not bring up this question? And so 
It's like there's there's a tenderness that I hear in your questions, and there's a curiosity that I hear in your questions. That's mm. nice. I asked Sheila a bit more about the new book, and I learned it actively works with the concept of counter-shaming. This is something I actually hadn't heard of before. We normalize shame. Mm. We say the book is a no-mistake zone. You open the book, and it's a no-mistake zone. All of the pages talk about all the theories of shame, all the different ways that we've learned to work with shame. All the ways of counter-shaming are different because everybody is so different. Each chapter has exercises, so people go through each chapter, and they can answer the exercises that are there. They can write them down. There's meditation techniques. There's an origami bird technique. There's tai chi techniques for how to work with the energy in the hands to counter-shame while the person is reading the book. My inner child was with me, as I was writing the book and Brett and I wrote that book, it is such a powerful book because if it was just if it was just my voice or if it was just his voice, it would be missing something. Mm-hmm. As part of her own work, Sheila offers embodied life story workshops, which explore personal narrative through improvisation, playfulness, and sacred witnessing. And as part of their work together through the Center for Healing Shame, Sheila and Brett offer workshops focused specifically on healing shame. You know, we teach people in the life stories, we do some tools, and then we do witnessing and having a person's true self-witness through story Mm. and performance. And then it might be something that they never told anybody, Mm. or it might be kind of like a realization that they're a creative person or realization that they're whatever it is that they discover about themselves in the group. It's just kind of a beautiful process to be witnessed and kind of have that um, kind of in drama therapy. We have like a self-relatory performance that somebody does in drama therapy is their capstone project. And, and then the, the healing shame You know, there's a curriculum. We do a different 10 week. Every week, every month, there's a different workshop. There's one on shaming women, there's one on shaming men, there's, you know, one on um, eating disorder, there's one on, um, you know, uh, empathy and how how to show for people. But it's like, of all the different things where shame shows up, we have a different workshop mm. each month and each group that somebody takes, there's this deeper realization of, oh, not only was there nothing wrong with them, but they actually had some really good ideas in their family and they actually had some really good things, ways that they weren't able to speak about, but in the group were able to speak about. And Mm -hmm. so that is life transforming for Mm -hmm. people to go through that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you do specific work with your clients or in your workshops around healing, 
healing the ancestral line or ancestral trauma? Yeah, I love your questions. Yeah. In the life stories, it's all about healing the ancestral line. But there's levels and levels of complexity. So we heal the ancestral line, and then it's like not enough to heal one. Sometimes people come back for another 10 weeks, and they do another line. And, you know, and then they go back to the grandparents on this side and the parents on that side. And often there's been a war or, you know, genocide or, you know, something happened along the family line that sometimes people don't even know about. But Mm -hmm. there it is. And it shows up in the processes, and we do process to, we do ritual at that point to honor the people what we can't even imagine they went through, and then we give the shame back, not to them, but yeah. to whatever was oppressing them or darkening their light. And then we take, you know, the person's pride away, take the person's energy, and it's like, okay, well, now that you've done that ancestral healing, now what you want to do in your life is. Wow. asked Sheila if there was a specific practice she recommended for releasing shame, and she shared a deceptively simple process with me of flicking a hairband across the room. I work deeply, 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 but if I want to have a quick healing shame, it's like this is like a hairband. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of a stretchy hairband. And if I want to just kind of say, if I want to hand that shame back to where I came from, I could just go, ding, oh, nice. and it just goes... And it's gone. I could bring it back again yeah. or 10 times, but each time I could let it go. Wow. And each time we are a little bit stronger, a little bit clearer, a little bit creativity, mm-hmm. a little bit more of our true voice coming through. Yeah. And the ritual of that is what makes it uh, work in the imaginal realm work in the heart realm and work in kind of this somatic you know imaginal you know what is thinking what is feeling what is in that place between both what is more powerful than both is this a mental realm where we can let it go and then see what comes up and let that go again and it can shift. Mm-hmm. Working with physical objects, it's like right there. We're in the imaginal realm. We're in. We're in the imaginal realm. We're in the symbolic realm. We're in the dream world. You know, when I have people do the life stories workshop, we are using physical objects to help the client. Or they're, you know, the person who takes the workshop, use a physical, a physical object to represent something that has not been able to be named mm. 
or has not been able to be talked about, or that has not been able to be rocked at this time in this place. And it gives it a power and it gives it a deep knowing. It allows our body and our mind and all the different parts of us to wake up and go, wow, something's happening here. And, you know, we're talking so much about shame, and this is the most important thing. We have resilience. Brene Brown talks about getting people to resilience, and we have pride in every moment. People are moving from pride or shame mm-hmm. or resilience or shame. It's wired in our nervous system, mm-hmm. so I help people figure the way between pride and shame in the moment to be able to know that there's shame and to yeah. to be able to stay this is a no mistake zone hmm. and to be counter shaming and many of the objects I have around me are counter shaming objects. Toward the end of our interview, Sheila holds up a beautiful greeting card with an image of two fish swimming in a circle. This is one of my favorite, you know, these are the two fish. (laughs) And it's like, you know, whenever Brett gets grumpy or we have a little dynamic or something, you know, I look at these two fish and it's like, it's two fish and they're so different. They look the same. They're both orange, but they're so Mm -hmm. different. And they're going round and round in this beautiful little card and that just reminds me of the whole point of the life is not to pass but to enjoy the moment and notice Mm. where I might be stuck or my clients or students might be stuck and then say okay is there something artful I could do with that well thank you so much this has been a joy and an honor to speak with you today I'm so happy And um, touched by your questions, really, really, really. To learn more about Sheila's work and the work of the Center for Healing Shame, check the links in the show notes. If you would like to read a free excerpt and pre-order Sheila and Brett's new book, you'll find a link for that as well. As a reminder, it's called Embracing Shame, How to Stop Resisting Shame and Turn It into a Powerful Ally. I want to thank you so much for joining us for today's topic. Shame is never an easy thing to talk about, but as Sheila and Brett note so aptly in the book, once we embrace shame, it loses much of its power over us. Sheila Rubin is a marriage and family therapist, a registered drama therapist, and co-director slash co-founder for the Center for Healing Shame. She has a six-hour audio series called Healing Shame by Sounds True with Brett Lyon, and their new book, Embracing Shame, will be out on October 17th. Our music is by Terry Hughes. Find us on IG, YouTube, and X at Shame Piñata. Reach us through our website, shamepiñata.com, and subscribe to the show on your favorite player. Also be sure to check out our second show, Daily Magic for Peace, supporting you as you support Ukraine. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening.
Get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn. Check out the show notes for your promo code to get started podcasting today.